Hey, welcome to the Central Westland Church Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for downloading and thank you for listening. We hope that today you find God's Word to be encouraging, challenging, and inspiring your life today. We would love to connect with you through our Facebook page and Instagram page. All you got to do is look on Facebook or Instagram and search for Central Westland Church. Please know that we love you, we're praying for you, and we hope you enjoyed this week's message. for you. I don't have a long sermon, so that'll make the house shout down for you. But I, I was in a sermon series at Foster Street for eight months on the book of Daniel. That's a long time. Eight months. Just 12 chapters in Daniel, eight months. And so I'm in between sermon series, so I'm basically preaching what I've been studying. So you'll see where I'm going. I got about a 20-minute sermon, and then you'll be able to get out of here and go get a bite to eat. Um, uh, of Americans believe that we're living in the end times. Now, notice I didn't say 40% of believers. 40% of Americans believe we're living in the end times. 70% of Protestant pastors who were polled said that the level of fear and anxiety has risen in their congregation in the past two years to epic proportions. That's never been before in the last two years. One of the reasons that I really like to study biblical prophecy is that it gives you peace. We know what the end's going to be. Uh, God knows the end from the beginning. Uh, I've said this many times. There's a verse in Isaiah, and it says God knows the end from the beginning because he's above time. So let's say that right here's the beginning, and here's the end. Okay, God knows the end from the the beginning. He's already stepping on the outside of time, and he knows how it's going to play out. We are in this prison called time. If Adam and Eve would have never sinned, they wouldn't be one second old today, which is a wild thought. Why? Not be one second old. But because of sin, it entered into the world, and we're in this prison called time. And our teeth decay. <laughs> we get crow's feet. We go bald. Uh, we just dilapidate because of this. So the word says, in the fullness of time, Galatians, God being eternal, eternal stepped out of time. I mean, stepped out of eternity and into time. In the fullness of time. And he walked on earth. Died. Rose again. Ascended to heaven. But God already knows how it's going to play out. God knows everything. There's nothing that happens in this world God doesn't know. That gives us great peace. So the reason I like biblical prophecy is that when you know how it's going to end, we can have peace about this. I don't believe we're living in the end times. I believe that we are living at the end of end times. We're there, y'all. And when I get done with this message, I think you'll say, we're closer than what I ever thought. Uh, There are 216 chapters in the New Testament. 
of those 216 chapters, the return of Jesus is mentioned 318 times. So 216 chapters in the New Testament. Of those 216 chapters, the return of Jesus is mentioned 318 times. Now you're saying, come on, Charles. I've heard Jesus Christ is coming for years. And guess what? It's October 1st, 2023, and we're sitting in church, and Jesus hasn't come back. So are you one of those preachers who are going to come to me and tell me Jesus is coming soon? Yeah, I am. And he is coming soon. And again, you're saying, but we've always heard that. Well, there's a verse in Peter that talks about that. Um, I remember I gave my heart to God in 1980, and God saved me. And um, I had a lot of passion, but no sense. Some people still say that. And I mean, anything that moved, I witnessed to. I told them about Jesus. Because, man, God saved me. And I was involved in drugs and alcohol and was lost 18 years old. Had no purpose. Everything I would say, I stuttered. Stuttered like nobody's business. Because I had no self-esteem. When I got right with God, it all went away. And man, of all things, a guy that used to stutter all the time, God called to preach, and I thought, there's no way I can preach. I can't even talk. Well, the Lord called me. Anyway, I was working at this job before I went to college. I was in shipping and receiving. And do y'all remember back in the day when you used to pass out tracks? No, that's a long time ago. And I used to pass out, I mean, anything that moved, I witnessed to. And, and I, I wouldn't even know you, but I would say, oh, by the way, what's your name, Bob? Hey, Bob, I, I got a question for you. Do, you. do you know Jesus? What? what? Well, Jesus is real when he died for you. And there's either heaven or hell. And we got this one thing called life. We don't get a dress rehearsal. And we, we got to know Jesus, bro. Well, I was working at this place, and one morning I passed out tracks to everyone on their desk, and it had on the front of it flames of hell, and it said, heaven or hell, you decide. There was this old lady in there named Mickey, about my age, now 62. She did not like me, and she did not. Some of y'all don't like me either, and that's fine. And uh, she saw that track, and she said, Charles! And I knew she just found it. And she had that track, and she said, did you put this on my desk? Like, who else would do it? And I said, yeah. And so all the people got around me and Mickey. And Mickey's 62 years old. And Mickey says, we're going to fight. And I thought, you're crazy. <laughs> and I thought, I'll wear you out. <laughs> but I said, no, we're not, Mickey. And I said, Jesus is coming, Mickey, and we got to be ready. Well, the thing is, I've heard that, Charles, a thousand times, and now here you are this morning telling me that again. So that's where I'm going. Matthew 24, verse 32. Now learn the parable from the fig tree, when its branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, and you know that summer is near. We know in Jeremiah 24 that the fig tree is recognized as the symbol of Israel. Verse 34, truly I say to you, under, 
Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. That's what I want to deal with. This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So here's the point. Every generation has had earthquakes. Every generation has had pestilence. Every generation has had wars and rumors of wars. Every generation has had somebody where they said, he's the Antichrist. But here's the difference. We are the only generation alive where Israel has been recognized as a nation. We're it. So Israel was in end time prophecies. For there to be a covenant with the Antichrist, Israel has to exist. For there to be the abomination of desolation, Israel has to exist. For the two witnesses to appear in the book of Revelation, chapter 11, Israel has to exist. In Matthew 24, 34, again, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. So listen, in times happens in one generation. Now think about that. It's a compressed period of time. End times happens in one generation. Um, so there's going to be one generation that will see from the beginning to the end. One. How long is a generation? Good question. The thing about the Bible, the Bible always answers the Bible's questions. Psalm chapter 90, written by a guy named Moses, says this, Psalm 90 verse 10. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years. Now I read that verse now, I don't like it because I'm 62 and I'm not made 70. Or in due to strength, 80 years. So Moses is saying, a generation 70 years. Maybe 80, okay? Uh, so I turned 70 in eight years. So Israel was made a nation on May 14th, 1948. So how many years is that? It's about 75 years. Okay, if this verse is correct, not one generation not one generation will not pass away until all these things take place. There will be a generation on earth that will see the end from the beginning. Just one generation. Now I had someone in the first service who told me they were born in 19, I think they told me 43 or something. I said, well, you're, you could be part of that generation. Could be. Well, Joel chapter 3, verse 1 through 2, it says, For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restored the fortunes of Judah in Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they divided up the land. Now, Israel is the only nation in the world that has been formed twice. 
the only nation. The first time it happened was in 586 B.C. That's why we had the book of Daniel. Because of Israel's disobedience, the Babylonian Empire came in, took Israel into captivity in 586 B.C. And there were no more. Seventy years passed. They were then brought back into Israel and they became a nation again. But then after that, who would have thought after World War II that Israel would be a nation again? I mean, think about it. After World War II, they were scattered to the four corners of the earth. And the Holocaust had happened. Millions of Jews had been killed. And Jesus says that because of the crucifixion that, it, that, that a lot of bad things would happen to Israel. Did it happen? Yes, it happened. And Israel was a, no nation at all because in 70 A.D., Titus came into Israel and completely destroyed it. And they scattered to the four corners of the earth. But then, all of a sudden, a modern-day miracle happened on May 14th, 1948. And on May 14th, 1948, Israel, who had been scattered to the four corners of the earth, once again became a nation for the second time. But there was one problem. They did not occupy the city of Jerusalem until 1967. And in 1967, we had the Six-Day War. And in six days, the nation of Israel, the soldiers of Israel, captured Jerusalem. And now they had the whole city of Jerusalem in the nation of Israel. Except for one parcel of land. And that parcel of land is known as the Temple Mount. Who, who now controls that area of land? Muslims. And I believe they will control that area of land until the Antichrist appears and he convinces the Muslims to let Israel have that land and they will rebuild the temple and start sacrifices and the seven days of tribulation will then begin. But my point is this. God calls the nation of Israel his land. Israel's a small nation. It's about the size of New Jersey. That's the size of it. Yet that small land it's the center of the world. And at the end of the world, Jerusalem will be the very epicenter of civilization. It says in Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, I will bless those who bless you and I will curse those who curse you. Now, people have read that verse and basically it, it means this. You're my people, Israel. In nations that bless you, I will bless. Nations that curse you, it's not going to be good. Well, some guy did a study on that. And I read this book, and you can, I'll keep it up here. But this guy has documented 126 cases of where, I don't know, the United States has done something evil towards Israel. And every time they have done something that's a bad move towards Israel, this guy called Eye to Eye, facing the consequences of dividing Israel, George W. Bush said, I want you to give the Gaza Strip to Hamas. And Hamas said to Israel, if you give us the Gaza Strip, we'll have peace with one another. <laughs> Has that happened? Do you know what they do from the Gaza Strip all the time? They're doing it now. They send rockets into Israel from the Gaza Strip. But Hamas said that if you give us the Gaza Strip, you and I will be friends. And George, George Bush, George W. Bush, his administration 
convinced Israel to give up the Gaza Strip. Well, that was a bad move. This got documents. This is one case, and I'm going to tell you this. You say, I don't believe it. That's fine. You don't have to. He's got 125 more he can show you. That five days after they signed that treaty, Hurricane Katrina hit the Gulf Coast. And then there's 125 other cases where America made a bad decision against Israel and 125 other cases happened. You can say, coincidence, say it. But God says, those who bless you, I'll bless. Those who curse you, I'll curse. Amen. That's one thing. But that's not why I'm here. <laughs> because this week I got to study in this verse. Because I was in Daniel, you know, for eight months. And so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but I will read Daniel chapter 1, verse 4. And I'm about done already, which is phenomenal. You guys dealing with the end of times, right? I've never preached this verse in my whole life. So here it is. But as for you, Daniel, conceal these words and seal up the book until the end of time. Many will go back and forth. That's travel. And knowledge will increase. So basically, God said, nobody's going to understand this. So seal these words up. But before the end of time comes, two of the signs, there's many, will be people will increase in travel. And knowledge will increase. I've read that verse for a long time. I never thought nothing about it until this past week. And I got to reading it again. So I did some crazy research. You'll love this research. The average person for thousands of years would walk 15 to 20 miles a day. Which would understand they probably were not, you know, probably good, good weight. Can you imagine walking 20 miles a day? It's a lot of walking. People today try to get their steps in, you know, so many steps. So 15 to 20 miles a day is what the average person walked for thousands of years. Uh, the average horse I discovered, even today, can travel about 40 miles a day. I had a guy who raises horses, and he has some horse called a stamina horse. I never heard of that kind of horse, a stamina horse. He said, man, they can go 80 miles in one day. They just don't stop. Back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, 80 miles in one day. As I was getting this sermon up, when I was in Bangladesh about three years ago, we left at 6 a.m. in the morning, got back at 11 o'clock that night, and in that one day, I wrote down my modes of travel, right, as we was teaching pastors. I traveled by walking. I traveled by car. I traveled by rickshaw. You know what a rickshaw is? That's where someone is on the front of a carriage or they had a bicycle. You sit in the back and, they, and that's all you have in Bangladesh, rickshaws. I was on that. Then I got on a, a boat. Then I got on a plane. Then I got on a bus. All in one day, all different modes of travel. Well, for years, thousands of years, you would walk 20 miles a day. Then came the 1800s. In the 1800s, they invented something phenomenal called the train. Yeah. You remember the train? James West used to have one. Most of y'all don't know James West of the wild, wild west. 
Anyway, they invented the train. Then after the train came cars, then buses, planes. And if you have enough money today, you can even travel commercially into space. So in the last days, travel will increase back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But then it says that knowledge will increase. I came across this article from Industry Tap by David Schilling. Listen to this. And you can research this too and be glad for you too. Up until 1900, human knowledge doubled approximately every 100 years. So you got it? Be glad to. Up until 1900, human knowledge doubled every 100 years. Now Daniel says in the last days, knowledge will increase rapidly. By the end of 1945, the rate was every 25 years where knowledge doubled. Recently, he said human knowledge in the past few years has been doubling every 13 months. I think it's better than that. Because of the internet, more specifically because of AI which has really been come out this year, is huge. They, they now say that knowledge increases, doubles. That's shocking when I read this. Every 12 hours. 12 hours. Before 1900, every 100 years, it doubled. 1945. It would be, what did I tell you, at the end of 1945, 25 years, 13 months. And now they say, because of AI, knowledge doubles every 12 hours. Who would have thought that we would be doing a sermon on the end times of Jesus talking about knowledge? Well, AI thinks 125,000 times faster than humans. If you compare this to the human neuron, which processes inputs from a synapse and transfers them to the next neuron in about 5 milliseconds, right? That's the brain. AI computer can do that 125,000 times faster. Stephen Hawking's, remember him? They interviewed him years ago. He was talking about AI. And he said, AI will be the cause of the destruction of humanity. I used to read this verse in Matthew 24, 22. Unless those days have been cut short, no life would have been saved. For the sake of the elect, I will cut the day short. I used to think that verse is in regard to nuclear war. I no longer think that. I think it's now because of this. Well, I got more. Elon Musk was being interviewed by Tucker Carlson a few days ago. And Elon Musk was talking to him about the dangers of AI. And he said, hey, you know, Elon Musk is one of the front guys that dealt with AI. And Elon was saying, it's very dangerous. It's very dangerous. 
It's very dangerous. Carlson finally said, okay, why is it so dangerous? And the, he said, because of mass information. Now, he, now, he, he, now it, it, it can do well. Wycliffe Bible Institute, they used to have a hard time. They still do translating the Bible into another native tongue. And it would take Wycliffe Bible translators, because I talked to one, sometimes 20 years to translate the Bible into that tongue. With AI, they can translate it in two days. Wow. So that's the good stuff about it. But on the other end, it can be damaging. The reason I'm saying this from a theological input with mass information, one of the ways the devil is going to deceive people because it says in the last days, a few will be deceived. No, don't say that. It says, how many will be deceived? Many. Many will be deceived. What will they be, what will they be deceived by? The Word of God. Because you don't know the Word of God, you'll be deceived. When the devil approached Eve, he used the words of God to deceive Eve. Did God really say? When the devil approached Jesus, did he use the satanic Bible to deceive Jesus or try to deceive Jesus? What did he use to try to deceive Jesus with? The Word of God. The Bible says that the devil comes in as an angel of light. The devil's not going to come in this church with a red suit and a pitchfork because you would say, that's the devil. The devil looks his best with a Bible under his arm. And there are people who have taken this word of God and they have cherry-picked what they don't like and what they do like for their convenience. And thousands will be deceived in the last days because Hosea 4.6 says they are destroyed because they don't know the word of God. Here's the danger, though. You're playing with your soul, Jack. You can go bankrupt. But with hard work, you can get your money back. You can lose your health. But with the grace of God, the good doctors, you can get your health back. You can even lose your mind, man. You can go crazy. My mom went crazy. My family has a history of mental disorders. That's why they say I'm crazy. <laughs> they gave my mom shock treatment when she was pregnant with me in 1960. I like that. <laughs> you can lose your mind, but with the grace of God and some good doctors, you can get your mind back. You can lose your friends. But with humility, you can say, hey, man, I'm sorry. You forgive me? Yeah. 
You can get your friends back. You lose your soul. You don't get that back. You don't play with your soul. Why would it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his what? So, Your soul is the most valuable thing you have in your life. Man. So the reason I'm sharing this is I never thought I would ever do a sermon and I would say, and by the way, one of the signs of the end times is the increase of knowledge. <laughs> wow. And they say the greatest invention of all mankind will be, many say, AI. Because knowledge will increase incredible. And that's why I'm just trying to encourage you Know your word. Know the word of God. Let me pray for us. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you, dear God, for these dear people. Lord, I pray, dear God, they have a hunger for you and a hunger for the word of God. I pray for every need that's present. I pray, dear God, that people would sense the peace of God upon their life. And that, dear God, we would be what your word says, alert. The enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Lord, help us to be alert to what's going on. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless. Have a great week. And I'll see you another two years, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> Peace out.